Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Even the Score podcast, a podcast about soundtracks and scores from movies, TV shows, and video games. I am, of course, Don, and I am, as usual, joined by my co-hosts, Anthony and Jason. Hello to you both. Hi, Deadly How. Good afternoon to you, too. Well, we are smack dab in the middle of our genre season, so I think it's time for us to dive into another genre discussion. This time, I need to ask the question, how do you guys like your martinis? Shaken or stirred? I like mine unfertilized, Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Wow. You know, I I guess I would, uh, shaken, definitely. For non-Lol's answer, I do love a shaken martini as well. Yeah. I am not a fan of the hard liquor, so I'm going to leave that drinking up to you guys and just go ahead and continue to enjoy the spy thriller genre. And that's exactly what we're talking about this week. So we are going to do some deep dives into our favorite spy thriller genre franchises. So we're going to take a look at three specific franchises, one for each of us. And then what I thought we would do at the end of the episode and what we've been preparing for for a few weeks now is we're going to do what is really popular these days, which is doing a tier ranking list of all of the James Bond theme songs, including some of the unreleased ones that haven't been utilized within the movie. So stay tuned for that. And actually, we're going to be putting that up on our YouTube channel, the video version of that. So if you want to see where we rank things and our discussions there, go ahead and follow us on YouTube. You can find us at Even the Score. But for now, we're going to get into our discussions about buy thrillers in a little bit. And of course, we're going to kick off with our usual segment, which is what you're listening to. So Jason, how about you kick us off today? So I'm going to be kind of boring this week because there isn't really any anything new that I'm listening to. Um, There's some music sort of in the the atmosphere that I'm like sort of desperately waiting on, but I I didn't pick up anything new since we, uh, you know, we last got together. So as far as what I'm like looking forward to, I'm going to transfer the uh, transform this a little bit. I'm definitely looking for uh, Tall Black Guy's uh, Airplane Mode album to come out on vinyl. Something I could have had on Bandcamp a while ago, but vinyl's usually the last thing to to get some love. So I'm looking out for that. I've been waiting for months for a physical version of a Nas last album to come out. I still haven't heard it, mainly because I don't want to download the, the MP3, so call me stubborn that way. And then last but not least, I'm also waiting for Common's new album to be available on vinyl, which it isn't quite yet, so... Thank you, that Adele. Is... <laughs> God. I mean, sorry. Nothing against Adele. I love Adele, but she's backing up the vinyl process right now with her new album. Makes complete sense. There's a lot going on there with Adele right now, but some really cool things to, uh, that are kind of on the horizon for you then, Jason. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hopefully I'll have more to talk about then soon. But yeah, it's it, not a very heavy vinyl buying week for me. Confront the day. I want a way to make sense of it. Yeah, it's a maze. I'm probably going to be very similar to you. It's been a crazy week work-wise, so I haven't been listening to much recently. But the one thing that I will say I have been listening to is the hour-long version of the Great Pumpkin Waltz from our last record. Mm. I've been listening to the It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. There was an hour-long version of that. On YouTube, I just kind of put it on in the background as I'm working. And it's just, it plays along and it's just kind of that perfect, peaceful work music. 
it's really kind of infected my head ever since we recorded on our fall holidays episode it's a really good song it's fantastic it's really it's simple it, it as you kind of talked about jason it's it's jazz but it's really moody jazz and it evokes a feeling of fall and the season i think it really just kind of works to mellow me out with a crazy work week that i've experienced so that's the one thing and the second thing that i've been listening to is the scrooged soundtrack oh mm-hmm. hell yeah mm-hmm. starting to get into the season and i'm actually going to be a guest on the totally rad christmas podcast to talk about scrooge and danny elfman's score so i've been kind of immersing myself in that which is extremely hard to find in kind of chronological order or, or like in sequence i can find bits and pieces here and there but it's a really hard score to get a hold of but i've been able to get a few here and there and that's pretty much what all i've been listening to just uh stuff that we've been doing kind of uh, a few weeks ago and wrapping up our holidays episode and then listening to scrooge getting myself ready for xmas nice nice and do you do this just by like sort of scouring different playlists or like how are you actually just trying to find it just trying to pull it up on spotify or or on youtube wherever i can kind of find it but usually i'll find the entire album just on youtube and i'll just kind of play it in the background as i'm doing things but i can't seem to find it just for danny elfman's score there's tons of licensed music in scrooge so there's a lot of like the classic sort of 40s 50s 60s swing christmas songs that i don't really want to get into i'm trying to just find specifically the score and it's been a bit difficult well there is definitely a vinyl pressing of it (laughs) does somebody (laughs) own it uh no i don't actually but there's been a repressing of it in the last year so so now you're saying i've got to get myself a record player and then well, I gotta find I mean, the vinyl. I mean, it's been an awkward conversation we haven't had yet, John, so here we are. <laughs> this is the intervention that you guys have just been waiting for. <laughs> Can you please just get a, a record player, for the love of God? Fine. <laughs> Cue the intervention music now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Um, but no, actually, uh, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, okay, Gen Xer, because I'm like, I'm really sort of oblivious. I never sort of bought into Spotify and like sort of the other playlist sort of generation things. I'm either listening to like ginormous, you know, amount of music on my hard drive, or I'm actually like listening to vinyl and stuff, or or ripping CDs to my computer so that that gets a little bit bigger. At some point, we not to digress too much, but I wouldn't mind hearing what your actual process is with that because it's kind of a foreign world to me. I am definitely in the same boat as you because I haven't had success finding things on Spotify. I think that's definitely my age showing my inability to handle the streaming services that are available for music. So I do the same thing. I typically listen to whatever I've pulled or stolen way back in the day. So it's been a difficult kind of field or waters to navigate it's been more of the youtube searching that way the youtube there's more of my edge there <laughs> I, I was just gonna you say, did say that you though. did say did. the youtube if you had put if you had said the youtubes then i'd be calling an intervention that'd be that'd be problematic cheers thank you <laughs> oh boy <Yeah. laughs> Anthony, what have you been listening to? Well, uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you what I haven't been listening to, mm. and that's the Home Alone soundtrack, because it is too early. Oh, look at this. Uh, I tried, I, li- I literally tried to put it on the other day, and something physically was like, no, it's it's too soon. Wow. So, yeah. What's I, your limit for that? I think it might be December 1st. Like, okay. 
And you know what? To be honest, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm still loving Halloween or anything. I'm just like, no, I'm still not ready for it. Like, I know it's there and I know I'm going to have to endure it for at least for uh, until December 24th or 25th. So I'm like, I think I'm ready to wait until I'm ready to receive it. So interestingly enough, and again, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with vinyl this episode, but I ordered the Home Alone soundtrack on vinyl. Nice. Um, Mondo had a repressing, which uh, is one of their most popular soundtracks. I found out that the Roy Thompson Hall, which is the home of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, is going to be putting on Home Alone live uh, with orchestra. Ooh. It's one of their first cinema uh, series back, and I'm contemplating getting tickets because... I really love the Home Alone soundtrack, and live soundtracks with the movies are such a wonderful experience. So I'm almost preparing myself for the Home Alone soundtrack, but I still haven't listened to it. I also haven't listened to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Look at you go. I, I know. I'm like, I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. It gets, It's a good song, and I love it. Again, I'm like, mm, not ready for it yet. So those are the two things I'm not listening to. <laughs> but the one thing, or I guess the couple things I did listen to, one was actually incidentally a podcast called The Shit Show. These titles, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's based on a um, Instagram account I follow called Shit You Should Care About. And they really do a good job of kind of summarizing incidents in pop culture or within the mainstream media or within news outlets. Typically, it's a little bit more focused on like celebrity kind of interactions, but it's definitely got a good anti-oppressive angle that I really appreciate. So um, when I heard about the Travis Scott Astro World, uh, I really was looking for a little bit of information because I kept getting all this anti-Travis Scott stuff. And I know that there was a pre-existing anti-Travis Scott movement. So I wanted to be like aware of what was going on. So I listened to that podcast about that specific incident, which was a really good way for me to learn a little bit about that tragedy and kind of look into that. So again, we don't have to go too much into that because it's a pretty heavy topic, but uh, I just did a little bit of information seeking um, with that. Uh, and then I guess the other thing that I've been listening to a lot of, and it's really funny because it's becoming the end of the year. So Spotify has this thing called Wrapped, which is at the end of the year, they you know tell you your most played songs. And I really do get excited about it because I want to know what it is I listened to this year. But specifically this week, I've kind of gone back into Little Nas X's uh, album. And holy shit, that album is really good. There was a lot of new music this year that I kind of absorbed. But the Little Nas X album, um, I find, is a solid, solid pop album. And I really like listening to it. I keep coming back to a couple of the songs and... Yeah, I'm really excited to see where Lil Nas X is on my rap list. <laughs> huh, very nice. Yeah. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me in the morning, I'll be on the way. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me up by your name, I'll be on the way. Like, so I think it's prime opportunity for all of us to start the Whamageddon watch because we are getting into December 1st. <laughs> So as you kind of talked about with Mariah Carey, oh my God, Rams, sure. um, last Christmas is obviously going to be somewhere lurking in the shadows I mean, to get us all. Technically, I did listen to it about like three weeks ago, but that was because YouTube accidentally played it after me, uh, Salem and I like to sing and dance to Careless Whisper. <laughs> and so, I mean, who doesn't though? 
Right? I'm glad I'm in good company. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it actually came on YouTube and uh I think we had to sing along to it. Well, I don't I don't think that'll count. Like that's just an incidental thing. Exactly. We are going to officially start the Whamageddon now. So if all three of us can continue to monitor when or if and when we hear Wham's last Christmas, we'll put it up onto our social media and just let everybody know if we were able to survive the Whamageddon for the entire holiday season. I feel like I'm in a bad position with that because, well, one, I don't listen to the radio very much, but two, I have the soundtrack. So when beginning occurs, whenever I actually put it on the when record you player, choose. Ah, yeah, you yeah. Choose. So I, I mean, think, I think that's a valid choice. You know, and for me, with Christmas music, I I feel like all the stores go into that hard, you know, but on starting on Black Friday. So for me, it, the you know the the cork's off the bottle as soon as Thanksgiving's over. Exactly. And I feel like you, out of the all three of us, are going to have the hardest to navigate it because I think there's a little bit of a delay, uh, at least with us, uh, till maybe December 1st. But I don't know. Oh, they, they, yeah, you go into stores now some and hear Christmas music. So, But, I mean, I feel like, you know, it, it's really out of the bottle as soon as black like the real black friday comes down so just like any good apocalypse there are some of us who are really going to try and avoid death as much as possible and there's some of us who's just going to completely walk into it accepting the fate and jason's just accepting the fate that who who doesn't like last <laughs> oh, it's christmas gonna happen. it's gonna it's happen it's gonna get played well i mean like yeah with. it's just yeah it's it's too early it's too early. Yeah, I, but I do. I feel like I really do need to step up my Christmas albums game. Mm. Like, there's so many classic Christmas albums I don't have that I want, but one day. So, I would recommend, and this is an early recommendation that we had from last year, because, oh my God, we're going into our one year anniversary. We are. Yeah, we are. How have we not talked about that? I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember discussing a disco Noel with y'all gents, and oh my, we might need to bring that one back too. You know, and I, for what it's mm. worth, I actually haven't seen that anywhere. Mm. Um, but uh, but I have an American friend who is from Chicago, and he found it on vinyl. Nice. Okay. Well, shall we leave it there and drift into our main topic? Oh, I think that sounds like a good idea, Miss Monipini. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt a Scottish accent. We're going <laughs> to leave it to Anthony. going to happen. One. That's completely good. So like I said, up at the top, our main topic today is to talk about spy thrillers, the theme of spy movies, some of our favorites. Now, spy movies, they go all the way back to the silent movie era. We have some amazing directors taking on spy classics. We've got Hitchcock doing fantastic things with movies like um, The 39 Steps and, and a bunch of his early work, his black and white work, drifting all the way up to what we're seeing with the Bond films, all the way into modern um, spy movies, which are even more and more elaborate as we've seen fantastic things come along with um, technology and gadgetry kind of implementing itself into the movies really having some fun with it it has very dicey beginnings in certain senses and i'm sure we'll get into that as we talk a little bit about bond but i think the spy movie genre is a fun thing for us to talk about as we kind of um, drift into this really good episode of the podcast because it has such fantastic music we have some fantastic composers really doing some interesting things plays on plays on on things that had existed prior to them doing new things 
um, not only scores, but licensed music coming into the play as well. So I think that kind of leaves us uh, or gives us a good jumping off point to go ahead and kick off into some of the uh, franchises that we were interested in talking about. And I'll kick it off, actually, because my uh, franchise that I wanted to talk about was the Bourne movie franchise. Now, we are up to five movies with the Bourne uh, franchise, but for me, I'm only specifically looking at the first three, which is that original trilogy starring Matt Damon. So we've got the Bourne Identity, the Bourne Supremacy, and the Bourne Ultimatum. And these are really fun takes on the spy thriller genre, I think. You have Jason Bourne found somewhere in the ocean or in the sea, and he doesn't remember who he is, but he has all these abilities, and they just kind of naturally come back to him. And it's this quest to figure out who he was and how he got all these skills and what he's associated with. And the first three movies are extremely tight. They're really well made. They're really interesting. They're dark. They're deep. They're emotional and dramatic. But with fantastic choreographed fight scenes, with amazing car chase scenes, lots of really interesting sort of American CIA black ops kind of tactics with kind of global influences lots of sort of interplay between an individual who is supported by his government early on but then kind of left behind once his mission goes bad and lots of kind of the focus on cleanup and and scrubbing the situation based on when he kind of goes rogue or that's what it's supposed to seem to the CIA. And I think the Bourne movies are just really, really fun and interesting. I've always had a good time with them. Matt Damon does an extremely good job and I think they keep a really good consistency and uh, they really kind of blend the story extremely well over the, over the trilogy. Whereas with other um, spy franchises, you'll typically get kind of one-off unique movies that don't typically have that run through one of the big things of course with the born movies is the score and the music um so we have music by john powell who has done some really interesting things in his career he's also done movies like gili so maybe not so <laughs> great but he's <laughs> redeemed himself with doing stuff with the Bourne movies. And what I like about the Bourne score is that there's this kind of really eerie, forlorn sound to it. And then you kind of, you build pace as the the movie goes along and you, you get kind of into more action-packed things. And, and what Powell's able to do with the score, I think, is really interesting. And it kind of continues. There's this really classic sort of Jason Bourne theme that goes through the three movies and into some of the later films as well. That's, I believe, played by a French horn or a clarinet or something like that. But there's, it's really fun and haunting. But the really fun thing, I think, is the licensed music that they utilize in the movie, specifically Moby's Extreme Ways which is the end credit song for all of the Bourne movies. It's a really great song. I really enjoy it. Pair that with the score that um, John Powell comes up with. I think you got a really tight movie franchise specific around um, Jason Bourne and the spy thriller genre. And I just really enjoy it. They've always been favorites of mine and I just really liked the the music that's gone along with it. Do either of you have any interactions with the Bourne movies? Some, but I'm not especially wedded to them. Like, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen maybe the first couple and I was just like, yeah, okay, this is cool. But it, it just... 
I don't know. Is a is a franchise? It's just never been something like, oh man, I've got to keep watching those. So they were very entertaining movies, like especially the car chase scenes. That was one of the number one things I remember taking away from it is the really well done and well choreographed car scenes and just like these really fantastic stunts. So I definitely remember enjoying it. And uh, specifically, I will say that I do remember the soundtrack. Um, I couldn't actually sing along or, or like, you know, hum you any of the themes right now, but I definitely remember it being a good take on like the spy theme, I guess, if you will. Mm. So yeah, I definitely remember the music being a part of the reason why I enjoyed the first one. Um, uh, I think also what I can remember is that the series seemed to devolve as it kept going. And I do remember, because the whole, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe one of the key pieces is that Jason Bourne has amnesia or had a part of his memory erased of when he was. So that kind of leads to this, you know, reason why he's discovering what's going on and he's unpacking that mystery. So I think outside of the spy genre, that's what I enjoyed most about it was this mystery that he was doing with himself, um, which is a little bit of a um, a different approach than the James Bond series, which is very, you know, direct with its villain. He's the good guy. He's got to save the day. This was a lot more of a mystery involved with why he was doing what he was doing. So that's what I really enjoyed about it. But I definitely remember as they went on, I was like, but he can't forget that he's a spy each time. Like, <laughs> it's, I think by the time you get to the third one, you're like, yeah, he kind of figured it out already. Like, he's kind of moved on. So that mystery, that's, uh, so that's what I remember specifically about um, the legacy which I think is probably the third and the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, there is a, there's a shelf life with that idea. Amnesia, it, it has to end at some point, which it does at the third movie. So they've extended it into the fourth and fifth by looking more at the group that he's associated with. They, they've done weaker and weaker things as the, the whole thing has gone along. Those first three, the first two specifically, are unbelievable. They're really, really tight. And they do really interesting things with the, the stunts. Like the car chase scene is done in this, not in like a, here's a BMW, here's an Audi it's like a mini Cooper flooring around the streets of somewhere in Europe and they're kind of going down staircases and and into tunnels yes yes and of course, oh. what Bourne does is he fights unconventionally as well. He's he's like a very much kind of a whatever it takes to win the fight sort of spy where he doesn't have a lot of gadgets. He doesn't have like fancy things. He uses weapons, of course, but when he gets into fights, sometimes he's using like ballpoint pens or magazines that are rolled up tightly. Like it's interesting the way that they take unique situations and put kind of the, the standard spy genre against it. So so yes, I, def- I definitely agree with kind of both of you. There, there are components of them that are uh, quite weak in in kind of retrospect and looking back to them but i still really gravitate towards them as being really good spy movies I'm, it's not like we're going to decapitate you or anything like that <laughs> no, I, I mean don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> i mean no it, it, it's it's a fair take i just yeah i mean personally i i think i tried you know it's it's a genre that i tend to gravitate towards naturally but yeah for some reason i don't know it just wasn't doing it for me to each their own Jason, do you want to tell us what your franchise is? Well, it's almost not fair because my absolute favorite franchise as far as spy films go is Bond. I've paid attention to that series pretty much my entire life from the moment that I was able to watch those sort of films. So so I'm going to put that on the shelf for a moment because we're going to be doing plenty of talking about that. 
I will go and say that a lot of the other spy films that I like aren't necessarily franchises. We talked once upon a time about The Saint. To me, that's like one of those, you know, I'm always going to hold that up as a really great spy film. There's, you know, it's not like there are multiple of them, but I don't think there needed to be. It was just a great spy film that also had a really fantastic soundtrack too. But we've talked about that, so I'm not even going to talk about that so much. Other spy films that I think kind of do it for me, um, this one may not even be a spy film so much as it is sort of adjacent, The Professional. That isn't really a spy film at all, but for the fact that it's got a lot of the elements in it, and damn it, if that isn't a really good film with that's just sort of, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a mind screw, like, through the whole thing. And I'll raise all of this by just saying that I kind of like Taken, the first one, for a similar reason, too. It's like, it's not necessarily a spy film, but the main character is a spy, and it has, it ticks off enough boxes that I don't care. Yeah, I would consider both of those, The Professional and Taken, to be spy movies. Because, again, less so with The Professional, but definitely with Taken. Like, I think he's definitely a spy that's, you know, retired, and who knows what's going to happen next, Liam Neeson. (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree. I think they definitely exude the elements that we look for in spy films, like that secretive individual who's just really skilled at weaponry and, and getting the job done. They're both fantastic films. But yeah, definitely more Taken than Leon or The Professional, but The Professional is just so damn good. Whenever you've got Gary Oldman just chewing the scenery and being absolute batshit crazy, you've got a great movie. For a lot of those, save the saint, I didn't pay that much attention to the music, but I also, there was nothing so jarring about the music that I was like, oh, this just doesn't fit. It just it was one of those, some of those films that I could just sort of throw myself into and then stop thinking about mm-hmm. it. Well, I know with The Professional, it's um, Luke Besson, and he brought over, I believe it's the same person who did the soundtrack for Fifth Element. Eric C. Sarah? Sarah? Yeah. What? Yeah. He's, and that soundtrack is um, unbelievable. So I'd have to go mm-hmm. back and listen to it. I remember noticing it the first time I watched a professional. I'm sure it's noticeable in certain ways because I really enjoy what was done previously by that composer. So I'd have to just go back and listen to it. But yeah, it can't, I can't think of any tracks off the top of my head, to be completely honest. The only reason I do is because I sometimes venture into a Fifth Element slash Leon playlist so yeah definitely for me the professionalism movie that i listened to the soundtrack quite a bit because that movie was so outside of the box for a a spy type movie and i think for me the other kind of small uh fun little piece of the trivia for that movie for me is that it actually stars Ellen Green from the original Little Shop of Horrors Broadway production. So she was in the movie. She's uh, Audrey. Um, and Ellen Green is Natalie Portman's mother. And she has like the small scene. Um, she's the mom in the beginning before their, spoiler alert, were killed. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think uh, The Professional is such a fantastic soundtrack that I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <clears throat> there are other sort of one-offs or whatever I suppose I could try to dredge up. But, I mean, yeah, for me, 
Bond really is kind of like the the end all be all. Um, although I, I have hot takes will be coming. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to hear. I mean, Don, I'm excited about your answers too. But Jason, because you're such a big fan of the series, I really am excited to hear how much you don't like my choices. <laughs> <laughs> Because, as a good segue, I am not a huge James Bond fan. <laughs> um, Off I, with your head. I know. And it's not just James Bond. It's really just, like, I'm not so keen on, I guess, like, action movies without fantasy slash horror elements. Like, I think that tends to be more and more interest. I'm a huge Marvel fan. I like... You know, the uh, my action to be paired with a little bit of a fantastic story. So I find a little bit of these spy movies tend to, like, not interest me because they're grounded in realism so much. Um, I like that fantasy element. So, again, the Bond movies were something I were, was aware of but never really kind of got into. I do remember... Um, 1995's GoldenEye is the first Bond movie I ever saw. Um, and I was so excited. Uh, I got just, I thought it was like an adult. It was like an adult thing where I was like at that age when I'm like, oh, I should be watching, you know, serious movies like James Bond. And so I remember watching GoldenEye and about three quarters of the way through, I remember being really bored. And I was like, oh no, I'm not an adult yet. <laughs> and <laughs> it, that kind of logic in my thinking would you know mess me up quite a bit as the years went on but i finally figured it out that i was like oh you know what james bond movies just aren't my thing and i like the video game more than the movie so that was my like biggest connection but i thought i wanted to take some time today to talk about one of my favorite franchise in the spy genre which is austin powers I definitely remember going into the first movie. I went and saw it in theaters on my own, but uh, I went with my family, or I guess my parents uh, had taken my brothers to go see The Jungle Book. So they were going to see that, and I was like, I don't want to go see The Jungle Book. I'm an adult. Uh, <laughs> see re- previous comment about my line of thinking. <laughs> and so as an adult, I decided, I was like, I'm going to go see an adult comedy called Austin Powers. Uh, and I came out of that movie quoting it for weeks. I was in love with it. And one of the f- my favorite parts of it was the soundtrack. Um, And that's because Mike Myers, when he was uh, creating uh, the character of Austin Powers, he said the idea came from when he was listening to Burt Bacharach's The Look of Love. And, you know, in his first thought, listening to this song, which, you know, has strong ties to his father and his household, is that, you know, he's like, whatever happened to those swingers of the 60s? Um, And so I love that idea that the form of Austin Powers came from music, is that he was listening to Burt Bacharach when he came up with this idea of a character and so i had no idea who he was um but i immediately went out and bought the austin power soundtrack i bought it on cd i listened to it over and over and over and um in addition to burt backrack's uh involvement in the soundtrack uh quincy jones actually uses um his super bossa nova mm-hmm. is it soul bossa nova soul bossa nova sorry no 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 worries correction um, and yeah, that like, I was mm-hmm. in love. Like, again, it was, I listened to that soundtrack quite a bit. Oh. 
that led to me um, buying my first Halloween costume, that my first adult Halloween costume, for $350. I bought an Austin Powers costume. Wow. You went hard, dude. I I don't think I've ever spent $350 on a Halloween costume. I, I may have wanted to. And it was a full suit. Like, it was a full crushed... Like, that's what I'm saying. I was... Uh, I was an adult. I had to spend adult money, guys. Come on. Hey. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at myself for spending that much. But, Do you still have it, though? Uh, I have pieces of it, yes. I, nice. Uh, yep, I put it in my, my tickle trunk, and uh, it is definitely still part of my costume. <laughs> what? It's, it's a tickle yes. trunk. Yes. I mean, like, I, I love the fact that you just threw that out there and kept it moving. Like, that isn't a, it's, it's, no, like, that's it's a, a thing. totally normal term. It's a thing in Canada. <laughs> Dog, Mr. Dress Mr. Up Dress was up. this childhood performer uh, on television, and he had a tickle trunk. And uh, one of my dreams as a child was like, I got to have a tickle trunk when I'm older. And so I love that you uh, attached or like caught that because, yes, that's I love the tickle trunk. I dropped my tickle trunk in name to several people and they usually have that reaction where they're like, oh, my God, it's called a tickle trunk. <laughs> and then sometimes if people remember, they're like, Mr. Dress Up. <laughs> Okay, well, um, thank you for that context because my head went somewhere totally different. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. dude, that is way more kink than I was ready for in well, that moment. I'm an, adult, I'm an adult, so I have adult kinks like tickling. Hey. <laughs> right? Anyway, to shift control, I'll delete that to Austin Powers. Yeah, I, uh, I've really enjoyed Austin Powers, the soundtrack. Uh, and it was funny because Austin Powers was a bit of a hit, but it wasn't like a huge cultural phenomenon at that point. Like the movie had done well, um, but it really wasn't exploded until the second one came out. Um, and I remember rallying a whole bunch of my friends for us to go see it. And the second soundtrack came out and the lead single on it was Beautiful Stranger by Madonna. And I love that song. It's one of my top five Madonna songs of all time. So as the movie was promotionally rolling out, I was uh, already getting vibes that I'm like, oh my God, the soundtrack is on point two. So I got really excited. I saw the second one. It was a huge hit. Like that was the summer of 1999 was when Austin Powers really blew up. Um, That's when I bought said costume. Uh, It was a huge cultural phenomenon that, you know, had entered the lexicon and Daniel Craig has even been quoted as saying that they had to take spy films more seriously after Austin Powers because they took the piss out of it so much. You know, I think before that there was a little bit of humor that you could have within a James Bond movie and they might even reference themselves. But they've specifically said that they ended up having to like course correct with the James Bond series starting in the new 2000s because it was so, I guess I want to say watered down in a sense it makes complete Um, overcorrection (laughs) (laughs) well and it's interesting because i think of the james bond franchise as one of the longest running franchises uh, like one of the longest film franchises it's one of the top earners like it has been around for since the 60s but that does not mean that has always been good that does not mean it has always been successful 
And I think it's interesting around this time period, the James Bond series was going through a bit of a challenging time. Pierce Brosnan was good, and it'll be interesting to hear kind of Jason's uh Choose your next words carefully. <laughs> so I'm thinking of it more from a public perception of James Bond. I remember very few people being actually really interested in James Bond at that time. And by the time the third Austin Powers came out, again, the soundtrack with Beyonce on it, I was very, very happy, very excited. And Britney Spears. I think people forget how like iconic this movie was with its celebrity cameos. But yeah, by the time Gold Member came out, I remember it being obviously one of the biggest like movies out there. But also, I remember not having as much awareness of the James Bond franchise anymore at that point. And that was more of my own personal journey. Like, I think I had just gone so far from it that I hadn't really watched any James Bond. And so it wouldn't be until Casino Royale that I actually saw another James Bond. And I actually quite enjoyed that movie. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested to talk more about the themes, songs, uh, and your perceptions of James Bond as a franchise and kind of where I saw it in different parts of my life. But I really am glad that I got to kind of bring Austin Powers into this discussion because they really are important soundtracks in my life. I listen to them quite a bit and I'm still looking for them on vinyl. They have been pressed. There was record day, uh, sorry, record store day releases from them. And unfortunately, I slept on them. So I'm in a bit of a, a searching period for them right now. And uh, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys think of the Austin Powers series. So for me, being up north, I think I got a different perspective about Austin Powers. It felt like it was a huge thing from the get-go, but I believe that's because we got it so many months or even a year later that the second one had kind of already started to take buzz and to, to latch on. Because I remember the songs being everywhere, the quotes being everything that we did in high school. That, that was our vernacular. We just talked in yeah, Austin yeah. Powers quotes, and it was amazing. <laughs> and it was completely taking the piss out of what modern Bond was doing. Anything that Pierce Brosnan was doing, it felt just so hokey and tacky that uh, that Austin Powers was able to just kind of take the piss out of it and spin it. And I'm glad that they were there to try and get the genre to move away a little bit because they were demonstrating the same sort of sleazy spy feel, but in a really ridiculous send up way. So it, it'll be interesting to get Jason's take on the modern Bond. But it, I think it was completely appropriate for when it came out. And Austin Powers is amazing. Like, it's so enjoyable even going back to it. Some things age better than others, but the music stays solid throughout. I'm really on board with what was licensed for the movie, what was created for the movie. And then I believe, Anthony, you've made mention of um, the Ming-T. Mm -hmm. And their own little group there for the movie specifically very harkens back to the 60s. Mm -hmm. so mike myers little fake group of mm -hmm. hippie psychedelic swingers very enjoyable i've i still i can watch the first austin powers to this day and enjoy it I'm, i've still got tons of quotes in my head so yeah very enjoyable and i agree wholeheartedly with a lot of the things that you've said about the time it came along and what it was doing to the genre so for me i loved austin powers i i think my bit of contention with I guess the both of you is I don't feel like 
first of all, I need to fully wrap my head around what taking the piss out of something actually means. But based on context alone, I don't think it did anything in particular to Bond or I just think it was a really good parody of, you know, sort of the more cliche aspects of the Bond film. So your opinions of Piers Brosnan notwithstanding, I, it sounds like it might be kind of on the negative side as far as where he stands in the Bonds. Even if Austin Powers was a reaction to that, like I don't feel like it knocked him down a peg at all. You know, for me, he was the second best Bond of the series. So when I think of what makes a Bond film a Bond film, I think Pierce was a really, really clever Bond. I think he fit really well. And I was really pretty disappointed when he decided uh, at that point to take, you know, to sort of walk away, although I get it. I mean, you know, as an actor, he'd done plenty of other things. And, you know, I think a lot of the actors who have played Bond have had some fear some more justified than others of being typecast as just that. Hell, even Sean Connery was afraid of that. But then <laughs> look at his, like, you know, his life while he was here. He never really had to worry about that too much. I mean, he did all sorts of amazing crap. Whereas, like, the Roger Moores and Timothy, Timothy Daltons of the world. Yeah, okay, maybe. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I don't feel like Austin Powers necessarily was a backlash or a negative reaction to, like, sort of the Pierce Brosnan bond. And I don't know if there's a tight correlation between, like, that and his decision to walk away, but I don't see those things as related whatsoever. Um, You're probably correct. I would say Austin Powers is more of a send-up of classic Bond. It feels like Austin Powers trying to just take the spin on the spy genre in general is kind of what influences what comes after Pierce Brosnan. But yeah, you're probably right in the regards that Brosnan probably had no no real effect as to what Austin Powers was doing. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think the the taking the piss is really just like the parody, uh, another word for the parody. And I would agree. I think that, uh, like, I liked Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. I think he did a fantastic job. For me, it was more just the movies themselves and the plots. I think um, I remember at one point hearing the name of one of the Bond girls in, I think it's... Tomorrow Never Dies. Denise Richards plays a character. Christmas Jones. Dr. Christmas Jones. And it's Christmas Jones is amazing. It's the fact that she's Dr. Christmas Jones. I remember being like, that is an amazing name. But I didn't have any interest in seeing the James Bond movie about it. So that's where I remember being like, oh, for me, culturally, it was like a little bit of a um, a low zone. And I don't know. Like, uh, like I... I think there was a big gap between Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig, correct? Like, as I remember, there was a large period where we didn't have any James Bond movies because it was Pierce Brosnan. And then did anybody else portray him after? No, no, it was definitely Daniel Craig was the next Bond. Yeah. And that wasn't until like 2000. Casino Royale comes around 2006. Wait, Brosnan. 2006 it came out. Yeah. The last Brosnan one is, I believe, The World Is Not Enough, and that's 1999. That's, no, because then Tomorrow Never Dies came out in 2002. Oh, did Tomorrow Never Dies? Let me see. Actually, no, it came out. 
Yeah, no, 2002 or 2003. Tomorrow. I was going to say, well, wait, where does Die Another Day fit in that? Yeah. Like, so I'm I'm bad on the order, but like... 2002, that is the, yeah. the one. So yeah. there's a four-year gap between Die Another Day and Casino Royale. Yeah. So, uh, spoiler alert, I totally thought that Casino Royale came out a lot, like, maybe 2010 or 2011. So, like, my time frame of James Wan is completely off. <laughs> like, I did not realize that Casino Royale came out... 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Craig's been it for a while. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, again, I'm not necessarily the anyways. And no, I'm interested. Do you like <laughs> Daniel Craig as James Bond? Not particularly, Ooh. no. Oh, okay. interesting. And because uh, I know that he was kind of a bit of a reset on the franchise, right? Like they yeah. went back to like the beginning of the Casino Royale's like the first James Bond book. So I know that they kind of went back to basics if you will quoting like again this is more where i'm looking to you for a little bit of uh in like information about what was the the turn from pierce brosnan to daniel craig and um i don't know if it was a reset because i don't know that the franchise had uh had ever really been what daniel daniel craig brought to it i think they were trying to take bond in a different direction for sure and i think what Daniel Craig brought to it was a much more physical, sort of less humoristic, like physical without the same level of sort of witty intelligence. Like, I think that's what he brought to the series. And I think that's why I have as much disdain for that turn as I do. So that's what I'm referring to when I, I talk about Daniel Craig saying that the Austin Powers franchise kind of had the James Bond franchise responding to that with his turn so i think because of the james uh sorry the austin powers parody they took a different direction with james bond and that's i think i saw that because i remember one of the first things about casino royale was that daniel craig was in a speedo and he was being like in a way sexualized in a way that i was like this is kind of interesting because james bond has always been a very chauvinistic and that like kind of almost sexist attitude does flow within his character and i think it gets less as you kind of go on but that was an interesting move to me because that kind of flipped the script and kind of made james bond the point of physical attraction and to me that had always been a part of the james bond series but it was always a spy movie first so I remember being like Daniel Craig's the sexy James Bond <laughs> and him being in that sexy orange Speedo and being like, this is different than the other Bonds. Like definitely what Jason was saying, it's a physicality that he brought to it. Not only the physicalness of this is more of like a gritty Bond, like he's going to be doing parkour on cranes and all that. And it's not going to be all gadgets, all smoothness and, and car tricks and stuff. But also he's bringing a physicality of he's going to be the sexy component of it as well. And it's not just going to be Bond, who's an attractive man, but the, the sexy component of past Bonds are women. It's the the pussy galores of yes. of the world, and it's the the intro credits of being nude women in silhouette or in different lighting. Like the credit, the opening credits, which I'm sure we'll get into when we get into the tier list, are very very different from early Bond. And I think that's kind of going back to the Austin Powers. That's the send up. It's the sexiness of the early stuff and the chauvinistic nature of early Bond. But I mean, that's the era, unfortunately. And I think 
what they're looking at doing with this reboot almost with Casino Royale is changing it up. And it is making Bond the figure, not only the physical figure, the action figure, but the sexy figure. Lots to go off of when it comes to Bond, which is why we've got this whole other segment that we're going to get into to talk specifically about the music of Bond, because it's just, it, it is a huge series of movies. It's what, a 25 movies now with multiple different Bonds and tons of different things to chat about in that regard. I'm sure we could do just a complete episode series on Bond, but I think for now, if you guys are good, we could leave Bond the discussion there and get right into our tier list. Let's do it. Yeah. Alrighty, here we go. Hi everyone, it's Don here with a quick message about the next part of the podcast, in which myself and the guys put together a tier ranking of the James Bond themes. You are more than welcome to continue to listen to the next section here in your ears, but because there are some fantastic reactions to our questionable choices, we'd really encourage you to watch the events unfold on our YouTube channel. The link is in the podcast notes, or just search for Even the Score Podcast on YouTube. No matter how you consume this next part, we had a blast putting it together. And I need to warn you that due to getting the most out of our reactions, the material is unedited and uncensored. So any sensitive listeners are now forewarned. Enjoy, and don't forget to let us know your takes on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram. We can be found at EvenTheScorePod. You can also make your own James Bond theme to your ranking and send it along to us. What theme reigns supreme for you? And what is the bottom of the barrel? Let us know. Now, on to the next part of the episode. Well, let's get into our fun topic here for the day. And what we're going to do is we're going to do the classic thing that a lot of podcasts and videos are doing on YouTube, and that is breaking out the old tier maker and ranking things because we love arbitrary and reductive ranking in our society. So what we decided- Internet to friendly lists are all the rage. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I like the fact that you like- shoveled so much disdain at this thing that we're about to engage in i it's love like, it oh yeah this, this i'm loving it. i'm just trying to avoid the haters <laughs> <laughs> so what we thought we'd do is we would take all of the bond themes because we are a music podcast and we actually anthony found this wonderful list with a bunch of unreleased or unused bond themes and we've put a few of those into here as well i believe i've got i think seven extra ones that we can add to the list here and we are going to talk about them we are going to rank the bond themes on the classic sort of scale of s being the top and f being absolute garbage and we'll figure out where they fit along those uh those letters based on our three opinions so without further ado, I figured we just might as well go chronologically and kick off with uh, Dr. No. So what we have for Dr. No is the John Barry, James Bond theme, plus a little bit of something that's called Kingston Calypso. But I think we're primarily looking at the classic Bond theme. So I will kick us off and say where I put that. I actually put that pretty low on the list just because of the weirdness of that Kingston Calypso. And I have it at the very <laughs> bottom of C. Oh, wow. Anthony. Uh, I gave it a B. Okay. Just because it's the classic Bond theme. Like that dun 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 I do it so well. It's true. Um, but yeah, I gave it a B. Okay. Jason? <clears throat> I mean, 
yeah so i don't necessarily get caught up in like oh it's the first or it's the yeah i mean it it's not all that memorable um in on its own accord i i guess i'm i'm gonna give it a c okay just because i i yeah. So we'll sit majority rules here, two C's and a B. It is going to sit in the C. And like I said uh, when we were kind of discussing this, if we also want to rank within the tier or within the letter, we can do that as well. So the further it is to the left, the worse it is. Further to the right, the better it is. So we will figure that out if we get into situations where things are on multiple kind of letters, which they eventually will be. Let's chat about From Russia With Love. So again, we've got another just classic Bond theme. It's called James Bond is Back, From Russia With Love. Where do we place that? I gave it a D. Okay. Oh my god. I, I agree. Uh, this was not good. I did not like this. It was just like generic and forgettable. I originally had it C. It was lower than Dr. No, but I'm completely good with a D. I think that's what we're seeing here with these early ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they they definitely started to push the envelope a little later on, and it kind of shows in the quality of the themes coming later. I think even the next one, it shows a real jump in quality, because we've got Goldfinger with a classic Shirley Bassey tune. Goldfinger! <laughs> yeah. Where is that sitting? Well, if you if you're starting out with me, I'm gonna put this in the S tier. I think not only was well, you know, Shirley Bassey has been visited for a few of these, and I mean, her voice is pretty well amazing. But I think even beyond the what it lends to the actual film itself, the fact that it's relevant even now with like folks. Like, you know, sample, like the fact that it's sampleable mm-hmm. in a relevant way. Like, I, I think it just goes to show how strong of a theme that was. And the fact that, you know, I mean, you've got like Goldmember playing off of totally. this particular, yeah. you know, yes. I mean, this film specifically. Like, I, it, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's classic to me. For sure. I gave it an A. Um, hmm. Yeah, and it was the farthest A, so that's the highest A, I guess. <laughs> I I also gave it an A because I think there's one Shirley Bassey that's just a little bit better. And I think Jason just talking about the sampling component, I think we can all figure out what it is. But I was leaning towards a the highest A as well. Okay. So we'll I'm fine on. if we do it as an S. We can. I'd be good with putting it up in the S column. I mean, it yeah. is to be the first and to be the classic... I'd be fine putting it up in S. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, you guys gave it both gave it A's. I mean, maybe we can revisit that at the end. Good call. But I mean, <laughs> just to sure. be consistent. Good call. <laughs> let, You're let, so let's humble leave it with your a. Shirley Bassey love. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, I. Also, that means uh, I want to see what other S's you gave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Now, after that one comes uh, Thunderball, a classic from Tom Jones. F. Oh, wow. I gave it an F. Oh, that's so that's hard. <laughs> Meh. Meh. Okay. So we've got, a, we've got an F from Anthony. I gave it a C, but it was the highest C I could give. I actually was going to give this a B. Um, oh, wow. I, and it's, I, I think... 
it's because of the absurdity of like I mean on the one hand you've got Tom Jones you know fantastic singer of a particular style mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've got this weird play on words with like you know Thunderbolt like I I don't know it just there's a certain amount of humor in it where like I can't necessarily promote it as like a fantastic uh Bond theme but at the same time I can't totally shit on it either like uh, it's it's I don't know. Okay. But Anthony YF. I just I don't know. Like I'm not a huge Tom Jones fan to begin with. And That's not unusual. Uh, yeah. But all right, that was good. <laughs> um I also uh and this is going to be controversial to Jason. I prefer the Johnny Cash version. Ooh. We are going to get to that Johnny Cash version a little bit later, but Oh yeah, wow. the, yeah, that's controversial on a couple of different levels, that but is. Uh, yeah, I, I will just respectfully disagree on that one. <laughs> so we've got an that's... we've got an F, we've got a C, and we've got a B. Where do we think that would then lend us? Would it be the top of the C's? Would we lean more towards D because F is such a a low rank? Like, where do we want to fall with it? No, I think it's... C would be reasonable. Yeah, I think probably the bottom of the C's. Bottom I mean, you know, if we're like. <laughs> doing this somewhat mathematically fair yeah that f is a pretty low mark against it so let's put it under dr no then look at poor tom jones there with his pretty face <laughs> that is a ridiculous uh, photo <laughs> it is such a good cover <laughs> all right we are now in uh you only live twice you only live twice is another um great theme with nancy sinatra doing the cover title you only live twice uh myself i had that as i just need to zoom in a little bit more um where was you only i had that at the top of the bees for me i liked it it's it felt very bondy but not being like too ridiculous like thunderball was so i really kind of enjoyed nancy sinatra coming in and doing you only live twice I gave it a C, but that's just because I'm obsessed with um, Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood's song, Summer Wine. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, has one of the best, like, Bond references in the song. Because, like, two-thirds of the way through the song, they, like, have this chord shift. And all of a sudden, it's like, (laughs) da-na-da-na! So, I didn't think that... You only live twice was as good as that summer wine bond reference, so that's why I gave it a C. But it's still a it's a really good song. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Jason, I, uh, I'm gonna give this one a C too. Okay. I think like it's it's not. <clears throat> I you know I, I've read some stuff like you know with some people considering it much better than I do, but I don't. I don't see it as like one of the clear standouts either. Like I think it's it's. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. Palatable. Yeah. It's a passing grade. It's a C. So if we've got it in C, is it better than Thunderball? Is it better than Dr. No? <laughs> is it? I'd say it's better than both of them. Better than both, Anthony? Yeah. I'd be down with that. All right. You only live twice. It's top in the C category. Way to be mediocre, Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go back to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And this one, we're going to look specifically at the John Barry Orchestra theme. We're not going to bring in Louis Armstrong's We Have All the Time in the World, which was considered a secondary theme. 
We can talk about that if we want, but let's just take a look at just on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I have that uh, low, I have it at the bottom of the Ds. It's nothing to me. It is just lots of brass, really low, and I just don't, I don't find it interesting at all. This will definitely be an F for me. Okay. I, I, the him as a Bond, I think, is uni- damn near universally panned anyway, <laughs> and I don't see any reason why this theme should be any different. <laughs> I gave it a C, and the only reason I gave it a C is because there was a Simpsons reference where Marge said her favorite James Bond was George Lazenby, and that's the only reason. Once I figured out this was the James, the um, George Lazenby. James Bond. It's the only reason they gave it to C. I was like, because that Simpson reference was amazing, and I've heard George Lazenby was awful. So generous. I'm fine to put it in F. <laughs> I I would be completely good throwing it. It is our first F into this. It is it is a just a bad Bond. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the only Bond films that I will just routinely ignore. Like I, you know, I there there are moments where like especially around the holidays. Uh, where they become very easy to find on like Hulu and whatnot, mm. and like I'll just sit there and watch them just for sure. nostalgia's sakes, but never like that <laughs> film, just never, never f- so fast getting off the couch. You'd be like, nope, I'm gone. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, denied. Hilarious. Well, I think we're gonna jump from universally panned to universally loved. We've got Diamonds Are Forever, and we've got a return of Shirley Bassey here. Jason, do you want to take it away? Yeah, I mean it's S. Anthony. Uh, I gave it a C. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's not as good as Goldfinger. To me. Wow. I like Goldfinger I better. Mean... Mm. Wow, no, I definitely have to disagree with you on that one, man. Jeez. I'm here to cause controversy on this one. <laughs> so good. So good. Tossing I... bombs. I... Wow. It's two S's in the room. I can't wait for you guys to see what my S's are. Oh, mercy. <laughs> I, I have a feeling. Well, I you know what? I may not be as surprised by some of your S's as I... <laughs> but then again, you're holding up that Johnny Cash version like that, like <laughs> on the cutting room floor thing. And I'm like, oh, hell no, man. That was... I Yeah, some of those that from that list, I think, deserve to be there. There are only a couple that I was like, oh, man, dang, that's a shame. But... That was not one of those songs. Uh, I have the most... The most songs ended up in the F category for me. Um, But Shirley Bassey, I would say, is the best Bond singer across the board. Like, I will give her that. That um, I would, you know, rank them lower, obviously. But I still think that they were amazing songs, especially uh, Goldfinger for me. But that's why Diamonds Are Forever was a little bit lower for me, because I was like, okay... A little bit lower. It's two whole grades lower than where Goldfinger is, and I think it's better than Goldfinger, so I'm shocked. So, numerically, then, I guess, I I think for an S, we have to look at what being pretty universal, or at least pretty closer to, so is it going to sit in the A's? And is it, Jason, do you think it's better than Goldfinger, or... I yeah, would say it's if, better. It's it's better than Goldfinger. Yeah. I would um, say if you me. guys both gave it S's, then put it in an S. I don't know. I don't think we can do that with with not with you being so far away on being a C. I don't think we could justify putting it in an S. I think it has to go top of the A's. All right, I, I, I'm I'm with that. Yeah, I think probably the top of the A's. But man, jeez, this is oh, this Anthony. Is you you surprised me with that one. 
This is a good one. All right. After Diamonds Are Forever, we jump up to Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney and Wings with the song of the same name. Uh, Anthony, let's start with you. Just Let's just get this bomb out of the way just in <laughs> case. But where does Live and Let Die sit for you? So I gave it a B. Okay. And that's hmm. because I did not know this was a James Bond theme song. <laughs> Really? I did not know it was for the longest time, and I just thought it was a wing song. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, I made the connection, that I was like, oh, that's a James Bond theme song. So I gave it a B. I really like this song. It's very good. It's very catchy. Jason, where do you have it? Actually, at the same place. I mean, not exactly for the same reason, but this. I also thought this was a B um, theme. I technically had it low in the C's, but I could be fine putting it as our first B here on the list. I just, in re in re-listening to everything, I used to really like Live and Let Die. I think I'm more attuned to the Guns N' Roses cover of Live and Let Die. I enjoy that more than the Wings version, but but I can see it being solid in, in B there. B country. Well, shortly after that, we go to Lulu's The Man with the Golden Gun. Now, for me, I have it square in the D's. It's high in the D's, but it is pretty low for me. Who wants to go? I, I'm, I'm agreeing, actually. I It's a good film with a bad... I mean, well, not a particularly great theme. True. I think that's what the problem was. But yeah, the, the, this film was solid. Like, mm -hmm. I really like everything about that film but yeah except for the theme this is christopher lee's appearance as the man with the golden gun i believe so mm. classic there probably movie number 300 that he did at that point but <laughs> yes i would say d anthony where's lulu sitting for you i also gave it a d the only reason it got a d is because it was like this is super campy <laughs> yeah, very much like, so in a very <laughs> like not good way like in a good way but a not good way mm. <laughs> Speaking of not good ways, uh, let's talk The Spy Who Loved Me and Carly Simon's Nobody Does It Better. For me, it is low. It is real low for me. D. Uh-oh. Wow. I just, I, it is so not Bond for me. And it, that will reflect elsewhere in this list as well. But it just it does not fit for me in the whole oeuvre of everything that we're listening to. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, well, I disagree with that a bit. I, I actually I don't think it's the best, but I don't think it's the worst either. This isn't uh, the B for me. Oh, B. OK. Mm -hmm. I also gave it a B. Okay. Um, and this is also a um, one that, again, I didn't know it was a Bond theme. Mm -hmm. I love Carly Simon's Nobody Does It Better. I, oh, this song is such a jam to me. But again, it was like, I didn't even know. Like, today is literally when I found out it was a Bond theme. I'm like going on YouTube and I looked up Carly Simon theme song, uh, Bond theme song, and I pressed play and I was like, what? Oh my God, this is so good. So yeah, I like this song. So where does it sit in the bees for you guys? So we've got Live and Let Die there currently. Is it better or worse? Cuz I, I will I will freely give it to the bees. I actually kind of like Nobody Does It Better slightly more um, I would personally. Agree. Yeah, I would um, say I would rank it higher. You guys are killing yeah. me on this one. 
Yeah. I know. To me, I was what a-, a Bond theme is can be pretty fluid. And I, I, agree. I, I think I think what that song there's a certain amount of finesse in that song that I think really does suit the franchise. So I'll just leave it there. Okay. Well, I think I'm I'm convinced by that. You guys pose excellent arguments. So let's put it up there, top of the bees for now. And let's go ahead and jump down to uh, Moonraker. So again, Shirley Bassey comes back with the title song Moonraker. Um, where does this sit for you, Jason? Uh, I think it's a C. Okay. Um, I mean, I love Shirley Bassey, as, again, as a Bond singer. But the theme itself wasn't all that special to me. Fair. I've got it the same. I would say it's probably above Dr. No, but under You Only Live Twice. Shirley Bassey is classic, but yeah, definitely not one of her best for me. Anthony? Same. C. It was, again, it was like, for me, Shirley Bassey is Goldfinger, so this one kind of fell flat for me. Fair. We've lost our colleague. There he is. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. A little bit of a... uh... Well, <laughs> cat emergency that I was trying to prevent. No worries. Of course. And Jason, we can't go on because nobody does it better. It's true. Okay. It's very true. God, I just got some more singing in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After Moonraker comes for your eyes only, which is Sheena Easton coming in with an unbelievable cover for our video watchers here on our YouTube channel. What a what a cover of that album. Where does um for your eyes only sit Anthony with very eye, large eyes only open. Jeez. F F F Okay. Oh F. my god. Jason. Dude. I hit A. I, oh wow. Con, just call me I, Prince cuz I'm thinking about controversy. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, well yeah, there's that connection too, but Oh wow! Okay, I don't know. I this just I was like, I like as soon as I saw it with Sheena Easton, uh, my expectations were so excited, mm-hmm. and I listened to it, and I was like, <sighs> let down. Yeah, I, huh. know. I think it was maybe too let down. Okay, Anthony Scott is That's F way hard. Jason Y A. Um, there is a certain syrupy sexiness to. Sheena E's treatment to this that again I think kind of like the Carly Simon just sort of suits a Bond film Okay, I just do Okay, so I originally had it at B the low of the B's so kind of closer to Jason than Anthony so would we put it C or B then I would say I B think it has to be in the C's. I, I oh. do think I, I think given that harsh ass grade <laughs> that Anthony <laughs> gave it, it's got to go into the C category. Damn. But I, I really do feel toward like yeah, that conflicted about that one. That hurts, man. Jeez. Welcome to the last episode of Even the Score. <laughs> <laughs> we will we'll put Sheena Easton at the top of the C's. We will come back sure. to the list at the end. We'll see if there's any m- movement there, and maybe there's some convincing we can do. But currently, right now, for your eyes only, we'll sit top of the C's, just above Nancy Sinatra, but below Live and Let Die. Uh, let's drift into Octopussy. Maybe I have oh. too much personal effect for sheena easton because i mean you know she was kind of a big thing legit you know it's when i was a kid it's that true. maybe had cooled off by the time you guys were 
kids. So I had it a B. She was on, I was on board with her there. Huh. Wow. I'm just a jerk. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> All right. Octopussy. We go to uh, Rita Coolidge. All time high. Hmm. D maybe. That's where I have it. I have it low D. I gave it an F. Okay. <laughs> I really didn't like this one. Like Sheena Easton, I was like, okay, I'm let down. This song I really didn't like. It was very off putting. I don't know why. That's fair. Really? I mean, there's so many in here. Like there's and they're so musically different. That's completely fine for you to to feel your feels. So Jason, where do you want to put it then? Should we keep it low D's because of that F? Like the last of yeah, the D? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, well, they are right next to each other. So I think sticking to the D isn't all that controversial in that situation. It's brushing with being the worst of the worst with On Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service there. Brushing. Now we get into a really interesting era. Well, I think we've already started with kind of the Sheena Easton and Rita Coolidge. Now we go into A View to a Kill and we've got Duran Duran's version of A View to a Kill. I have it as a D. I didn't enjoy it. Just didn't fit for me. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't my thing. Oh my gosh. You guys are harsh on these themes though. (laughs) So Jason, you had it a D as well, I'm assuming. No, I did not have it as a D. Where do you have it? I mean, I love Duran Duran. I actually really like this uh, song. I think it, I think it fit the film really well. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't justify giving this anything less than an A. Okay. D and an A. Anthony? I gave it an S. Oh. I love Duran Duran, and I love A View to the Kill. I have, This song is so good. I'm a huge Duran Duran fan, Jason. Uh, I've seen them live. I wow. love I love A View to Kill. Even before, like, outside of James Bond, mm-hmm. 100% absolutely love this song. Like, I love me some Duran Duran. This one just didn't sit, but it sat with you guys. So we've got an S and an A there. So what do we think? High B, say, low A? Yeah. Which, I, you gave it an F, Don? No, I gave it a D. Oh, I think that... Well, I think we kind of... Put it in the A's? It, a or a B, I guess. I mean... What do we think? Maybe top I, of the B's? Top of the B's. Yeah. Put it above Carly. That. Yeah. Okay. That's where that will sit. But dang, jeez, how how the <laughs> hell? What, what kind of 80s baby are you? What's wrong with you, man? I love me some Duran Duran. <laughs> I really do. I really enjoy Duran Duran. Just that one did not click with me. Hmm. All right, let's drift into another 80s baby classic. Aha, with The Living Daylights. Jason, where does it sit with you? So this one's actually kind of more of a C to me. Okay. Um, I like Aha a lot, um, but this song didn't necessarily hit for me. Anthony? Yeah, I gave it a D. Um, it's okay, but uh, I actually like the Pet Shop Boys version better. Oh, um, okay. When we were list- yeah, it was one of the ones that was on the list, right. and I listened to the Aha version, and I love Aha. But yeah, same thing. I was like, oh, I kind of like the Pet Shop Boys version better. Fair. Jason, where did you have it again? C? Yeah. Yeah, I had it C as well. I had it, um, where did I originally put it? It was top. It was just behind my 
pick for Thunderball as being the top of the seas. It was just behind that. So if we were to put it in the seas, because it's kind of close, where would we kind of want to put it? Maybe, I don't know, maybe behind Carly Simon. Behind yeah, Carly? Where's Oh, Carly's up in the bees, though. Oh, sorry. Who, uh, Nancy who is this chick? Uh, Nancy okay, Sinatra, behind sorry. You Only Live Twice? We can slap yeah, it yeah, right yeah. in the middle there. So still kind of mid-range <laughs> C. Distribution is looking, and I'm going to geek out, very, very normal. Uh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> the, the stats guy in me. Well, let's let's talk about this next one here. So it's License to Kill by Gladys Knight. Uh, mm. For me, that one sits at an A. S. S. It was an A for me, but it's the top of the A. Top of the A. And- this is another one that I didn't know was a James Bond theme. I was like, this is a fucking amazing Gladys Knight song. I love yeah. this song so much. I had no idea it was a James Bond theme song. It's very I'm good. Like, I mean... Oh, so beautiful. It's so yeah. good. I mean, for me... Yeah, I'm sorry. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's just hard because my list originally had Diamonds of Forever up in the S, so I would be fine to just plunk it there in the A. Where do we think it like? Is it better than Goldfinger? Not as good as Diamonds Are Forever. I would kind of lean towards putting it in between the two. Jason, what, I think that's fair. What's your thought? I mean, like, I, which comes before? I'm good with that. You're good with plunking it here, yeah. As opposed I'm good to with that. Okay, yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, but it's a really, really good. I mean, because and I again, I put it in S, but you guys didn't, so I'm I, I'm okay with that placement. But damn, I think that's a fantastic song it really is and i've again i've i've spoken about that on this podcast Mm -hmm. before but i really do think it's a great song yep all right let's jump to now more modern bond so we've got a six-year gap between license to kill and tina turner's golden eye uh anthony where does golden eye sit for you s s s this is uh i guess my first james bond theme song i ever heard um, I'd like, sorry, I remember listening to, mm-hmm. I definitely obviously heard other ones, but for me, Goldeneye is, uh, such a wonderful callback to Shirley Finger, sir, to Shirley Bassey, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just that distinctive, like, Goldeneye, mm-hmm. change direction, and it's Tina Turner, I love Tina Turner, so I gave it an S. Okay. Jason, where do you got it? Hmm. I, 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 I love tina turner i gave this one a b though um yeah yeah and i gave it an a it's the bottom of the a's for me so i would be comfortable putting it bottom of the a because of the average what do we think i think that's right anthony yep i think that's good okay we found a level of calm here after some choppy waters (laughs) here we still haven't gotten a consensus s we have not no, no, that's going to be interesting. We're going to have to have a conversation about if nothing gets there or if we need to bump something <laughs> up. But I don't think we're going to get there with this next one. This is Tomorrow Never Dies by Sheryl Crow, which I will absolutely throw into um, the... Where did I have it? Uh, I believe it was Low Seas. Yes, I had Low Seas. Anthony, you're giving me a face. It's an F for me. I love Cheryl Crow, but good lord, this song is so fucking boring. <laughs> Jason? 
I, I wasn't willing to hand out an <laughs> F. I mean, because I, you know, I, I guess I like Cheryl Crow a little too much for that. But it's really, I do echo his sentiment with it being a very, for, very, <laughs> very forgettable uh, Bond theme. Um, and it almost to the point of it not being like it maybe this shouldn't have been done. Um, but it's not F territory. So it's, it's a low D for me. Well, what do we have? So this is the year that we have two different alternative themes to rank here. So we've got the Katie Lang and the pulp versions also take like, and I think those ones are far superior. So, I mean, I'd be good with putting it lower. Yeah. Oh yeah. Would, That's it, fine for me. would it go with the F? Jason, do you think it would drift that far down? I don't think not no. quite that far, but it's really, really not great. Let's put it yeah. behind Sheena or Rhea Coolidge then. Yeah, that's fine. Let's put her right back at there. Well, yeah. poor Cheryl Crow. Uh, she tried hard. She didn't. She tried. Yeah. She really didn't. Not with that team. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. Um, let's go to The World Is Not Enough by Garbage. S. S. This okay. is my favorite Bond theme. It's my favorite Bond theme of all time. I love it. Love it. Top S. Top S for me. Okay. Anthony, did you uh, like it? Oh, God, I love it so much. Okay. So that is where I'm, Anthony's sitting. This is where I'm so interested to see what you guys think of this song. I'll go before Jason. I've got it as an A. I think it's pretty oh, high up there. It was wow. the lowest A. Of course, okay. A is getting cluttered. I had I had um, Diamonds Are Forever higher. So A is pretty cluttered here, but I would gladly talk about it being anywhere in that region. But Jason, where do you have it? Uh, that was a little harsher on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, not extremely harsh, but it was it was a B for me. Fair. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So again, the average kind of does the same thing that we did with GoldenEye. Is The World Is Not Enough better than GoldenEye? Anthony, your vote's kind of already locked in. Jason, what do you think? I don't think it is no mm. think it's still no. down there yeah i think so i mean sorry anthony but no, no. then again hey listen fucked over one of my i was so, just gonna know. say i'm like <laughs> i totally am cool with that because i i ruined your diamonds are forever <laughs> i'm gonna have to do so much bleeping in this episode uh, i mean uh, but we're adults yeah <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say my opinion between the two it's a little bit better than Tina Turner's Goldeneye. So let's keep it right there. It doesn't touch Goldfinger in my opinion, so I think it's fine where it is. We'll split the difference 2-1. All right. I think this one's going to be an interesting one. This is Die Another Day by Madonna. I am going to go first because I flat out have it as an F. Oh. I have it as an God, absolute it, F. Geez. I think it's absolute garbage. Interesting. Now I just Jason. I just do not yeah. like it. I just I don't think it is like I I enjoy Madonna's music. I really do. I just I do not like this song. I and I've listened to it many times over and I tried and I just I tried to give it the best that I could. I did not like it. This is where I reach for that little, uh, like, bowler hat, and then, like, I change my background to a green screen so you could, like, Photoshop, like, flames in, and I'll just be like, it's fine. This is fine. Um, it's fine. 
Because you just really sort of blew shit up. This is the only song of the Bond themes that I actually have on my hard drive um, that I will listen to and jam out on on a fairly constant basis. This is definitely S tier for me. It's S for so, me too. God, I'm kidding. <laughs> nah, I'm not kidding. I um, am so surprised, Jason. Wow. Yeah, no, I... sorry. I I love Madonna. I, I <laughs> like this theme. I think it was. I think so it suit, good. I think it suit suited the film really well. I mean, like, okay, just out of curiosity, I'm not saying that like this wouldn't have been relevant or even, I mean, you like what you like musically, but did you, have we all watched die another day? Like, yeah, yep. I haven't. You, I've only seen the, uh, I think there's like a skiing clip. Oh wait, no. Die another day is that's Halle no, Berry. Not, yes. Yeah. Die another day yeah. is the one with Halle Berry, right? Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, but other than that, I don't know anything about it. I know Madonna is in it. <laughs> I, Oh wow! Wow, Don, <laughs> Jesus! I no, it's it's a really, it's classic Madonna, and I think it 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 suited the film really well. I I'm surprised you graded it so harshly, but you know, not it's fine. me this time. <laughs> it's fine. I'll take the brunt of this Don. one. It just, <laughs> I, I would disagree that it's classic Madonna. I think classic Madonna is very much. 80s early 90s i think this is modern madonna and it sounds very similar to what she's doing like i love the the hung up era ray of light madonna era i just this song just it did not click in and i'm listening to it i maybe it's just the context i'm listening to it with all of these other bonds like i listened to all the songs chronologically and just sat and ranked and i think just based on everything that i've heard and everything that i know is coming up i can't fit it i can't put it anywhere near the heights that you two have put it in my own ranking now we have two s's and an f we it's got to go somewhere high because of that, <laughs> that ranking so where does it sit then within the list as it is um I mean, that's the question it has to pull it down to the b's or somewhere in yeah, that territory I was say B's I, too. but i think it's like the top of the b's to be i would honest agree i would it. put it before uh, over duran duran i mean if you guys yeah. want to throw it into the a's i mean that's completely fine as well no i mean your f your F brings this shit down <laughs> way I, too much. I agree. But if we're going to follow a, uh, an algorithm, it's got to be consistent. And it's very agree. scientific, this list. <laughs> well, I'm just a tease, man. I know. F, I'm that's little, like... So, uh, that is a bit harsh. But, again, this is one that I knew was controversial. Mm-hmm. I remember when this song came out, and a lot of people were really hating against it right uh and from day one i was like uh whoa and i hadn't even entered my madonna madonna phase at this point uh, when this song came out i was still like in the madonna closet well i was literally trying to come out of the closet so i hadn't discovered her yet but yeah this song was a jam i love this song see so i think good. the thing that maybe uh, you know to sort of counter your point don you can't necessarily listen to bond themes in the context of each other like you also have to consider Mm -hmm. the the theme in the context of the time i think with this particular film and sort of like you know we're we're in modern era bond i mean well it, it just it really did fit um i don't think every song has to basically follow the exact same template of no of course not you know I, I don't know. I just I, I think it I think it was a very cool song and it it it, it fit 
the time as well. Fair. And uh, that's completely fine. I mean, realistically, it's it's where it is, and we all have our, our own opinions on it. I think just for me, it was one of those those lesser ones. And I think it, I, I'm, I completely accept that Bond themes can't be just one after another after another, and you just compare it based on on that. That's the only criteria. There are different criteria, and for me, it's just not not that good of a song for me. But it is what it is, and we will move on. So this is now leaving Brosnan, and we are going into modern Bond, or well, most modern Bond. So we're going into Daniel Craig, and we current start off Bond. Current, Let's just yeah, call current it that. Bond. Current that's Bond. A, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And we've got um, you know my name, Chris Cornell, so lead singer of Soundgarden, doing his own solo thing with Casino Royale. So, Jason, now that we're starting off with current Bond, where does this sit? I, um, I'm gonna give it a D, D. man. Okay, sorry, Anthony. I gave it an F. Ooh, like, come on, no. This was, I just, uh, again, uh, chronologically for me, uh, we're coming off of Madonna, mm-hmm. so I'm like hyped up for a James Bond th- theme song. Mm-hmm. Fast forward seven, four years, and you know, I was just not. I didn't understand the 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 appeal of Chris Cornell's version. I think it was just like, nah, I gave it an F. Fair. I had it as a C. Um, I think it was kind of middling C's for me. I I love Chris Cornell's voice. I think he's a great vocalist when he was alive. I love Soundgarden. But yeah, it's it's not the greatest of Bond films or Bond themes. And this is kind of jumping back into Bond after a four-year period and trying to see what current Bond is going to offer. So it's it's a low C for me. So CDF puts it into the Ds. Where yeah. in the Ds? Does, is it better than Cheryl Crow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean but <laughs> that isn't saying a whole lot man no. so yeah <laughs> well, let's let's slap it there how about between rita coolidge and Cheryl crow any yep. qualms no. there nope i no. think that sounds good all right let's jump to quantum of solace jack white and alicia keys another way to die anthony what do you got f jason <laughs> So, can I just issue a blanket thing? Because I think going through this, like, for the Daniel Craig era is going to be kind of redundant for me. Like, I... All these are instantly forgettable. Like, nothing stands out as special. So, I'm pretty much gonna... Like, nothing was horrid. I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna say they were horrid. So, none of them gets the the F. But for me, for pretty much all these ones coming forward, they're all Ds. There's nothing special about any of these themes. Okay. I gave this one an F. I think it's the worst of all of the Bond themes. And at the time, you have such power to pull from. Like, you could have pulled Adele in one one song early, grab Amy Winehouse or something like that from from uk i think there's so much more they could have done with this theme i'd plunk it square in the f so yeah oh two wow. f's and a d is that enough that makes to it an it? f is it a high f high f we'll put it right right above on her majesty's secret service yeah george yeah, lazenby is really gonna come up in last place i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely it, as it should <laughs> The next one I am interested, because Jason, you said they're all kind of forgettable. I don't think Skyfall from Adele is forgettable. I've got it as an S, personally. 
I just think it's in current Bond era. I think it's the best one. I really like it. That's just me though. Jason, you've got it as a D. Yeah. I, I Adele's awesome. I don't, there's nothing special about this song to me though. So Anthony. sorry, sticking with my D. No fair. Oh, no. I gave it an S. I, uh, I thought it was instantly recognizable as a Bond theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, it, kind of definitely called back to the old references of Adele for me. Uh, I'm sorry, of uh, older uh, James Bond theme songs. Um, So yeah, I gave it an S, but I think that's going to put it in the B territory again. Yeah, I think so. I can't believe you'd freaking give that an S, though, and some of these other... Where's your own internal validity, uh, man? <laughs> what what the hell? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I had two S's. I only had two S's on the entire list. It was wow. it was Diamonds Are Forever and it was Skyfall. Like I think they are equivalent to to being just the best Bond film, Bond themes. Everything else fit somewhere else and I only had two Fs. Like everything was kind of in the middle for me. Like some lower obviously than others, but I I did not overload either end of the spectrum i was really cautious with what i considered to be best or worst but i'm good with punking it top of the b's if we're good there with two s's and a d yeah yeah that's fine all right uh let's go to uh sam smith's writing writings on the wall for specter jason still again d still d anthony what do you got it's bad it's it's really bad like, I don't like Sam Smith on a good day. So <laughs> Really? Oh uh, yeah, I really don't like him. He just he just for whatever reason, he just rubs me the wrong way. His voice is not what I like. But this especially, like, again, after coming off of Skyfall, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Woof, I'm really excited to see. And I was even interested interested what Sam Smith was gonna bring, but man, he shot the bed. It's pretty bad. I had a D. So two D's and an F. Should we just put it underneath Shell Crow there? I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. We finally found something worse than Tomorrow Never Dies by Shell Crow. <laughs> uh, and final one here of current Bond uh, real themes is Billie Eilish's No Time to Die. So we've got Jason's locked in D. For me, I had it as a C. I thought it was a little interesting just because it's playing with the the Billie Eilish thing, but it's not anything stellar. Anthony, where do you got it? I gave it an A. Ooh, okay. I really, I did not like it at first. It's really interesting, but this song has actually really grown on me over the last year. Because mm-hmm. I distinctly remember it came out last year and Billie Eilish was massive. And so uh, I was like really excited to hear that she was doing a Bond theme. And then I heard it and I was like, uh, I guess it's okay. And then in the year since I've listened to it, I've really grown to it. I've really enjoyed it. I find it's not the best James Bond theme song, but as a Billy Eilish song, I really like it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it got higher marks for me. Should we just throw it at the top of the C's then? Kind of real middling average right there? Yeah, because you guys both gave it D, right? Uh, I gave it a C. Uh, Jason? I protest you putting that above uh, Sheena Easton. Uh-huh. put Sorry. it under Sheena Easton for sure. <laughs> that's I fine. think that's valid. The real question is, do you want to put it above Aha? I think you can. Like I said, I don't. I the I don't know the living, the living daylights for me anyway wasn't that great okay. a Bond film anyway, and I I don't know. I mean it was it was really just okay. Again, I like Aha a lot, but I yeah I don't know. Okay, didn't care for their treatment of that song. Well, we'll plug it in right there then. 
So we've done the main themes as they were produced. Now we've got, looks like eight additional themes that we can kind of slate in here. So let's go ahead and jump into, chronologically again, Johnny Cash's Thunderball. Jason, you were kind of... So it's an A. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, you were asking me a serious question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, F. F. Sorry. It's an F for me. F for me, dog. Anthony, you yeah. said that it's it's going to be contentious in comparison to Jason's score. What is your score? I gave it an A. Oh, wow. It was the bottom of my A. But uh, I remember hearing this version um, like when the article came out. Mm. And I was like, wow. I like, And I knew Tom Jones's version. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't like Tom Jones's version. Oh, I really like Johnny Cash's version. Um, so yeah, it got higher marks for me. Um, but I also don't know Thunderball. And as we've discussed, sometimes the theme can be linked to the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to hear about Johnny Cash's version from Jason's perspective about why is it yeah what was the hate on it I look for all the the potentially you know look James Bond as a character is complicated right mm-hmm. I mean like there are lots of things that he did I mean, that that character was that, yeah, don't really fly in sort of current polite society, right? Right. But one thing James Bond is not is country. (laughs) He's just not. I'm sorry. There's nothing about... Look, Johnny Cash, awesome Mm -hmm. artist. Not going to take anything away from him. Although, again, I think we've well established I'm not like the biggest fan of the country country as a genre. Mm -hmm. But... God damn, man. Like, no, I just, <laughs> no, no, That's... no. The, the, those, the, it's, 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 it's peanut butter and ketchup, man. They're just two things that don't belong together. I get that completely. And I understand that now again, because I think it's such, I have a, such a disconnection from the movie. Like I have no reference. I have no idea what goes on in the movie. And so you're right. Listening to it. I do think of like, Oh, James Bond's in the old West. <laughs> yeah. That's, and it's just wrong. It, it, and I, my rank is the lowest of D's. Like I just, I couldn't give it an F because I put like on her Majesty's secret service down there and just couldn't, and couldn't put them together, but it's a low D for me. So a D and F, I mean, that kind of drifts at C territory. Should we put it pair mm. it with like the other? I don't know. I would put it in D territory, throw it up, up top just because of that. A muck in the average yeah i think that's fair jason well to to you know and to be fair these are songs that didn't make it right so they have a higher bar yeah that's fair i I mean the themes that actually did so yeah i put it under lulu under or i put it at the bottom of d or do we put yeah do we slap it all the way down because that's an f and it got a d so it's two lower scores more than a higher score jason what do you think where do you think it should go well, not not yeah, where gar- you think it should. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Like, I was gonna say I was not clear enough about that already. The information, but, that you yeah. Have I mean, I think I. You guys are willing to elevate it slightly more than I am. I just, yeah, it's it's where you have it is fine for me. I, it, it's just not. It's it's so not Bond. It's not. 
Anthony, could we convince you to lower it real low and just put it real, like, right into the Fs? Yeah, sure. Let's toss it in the Fs. I, I, I mean, next yeah, thing you I know, like... you'll, like, the next theme will be Baby Shark or some shit like that. Like, it just doesn't belong. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this was an anti-Baby Shark zone. <laughs> It no, is I'm... in the context of James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm comfortable with giving an F. Listen, like, again, I I think the opinion of all of us is varied. Yes, like, of course. It's been really interesting to see where we kind of align. But yeah, there's been a couple, like, misalignments. So oh, completely. Johnny Cash, you deserve the F that the country gave you right okay. now. Okay, let's throw them there. And let's drift over to uh, Alice Cooper's version of... The man with the golden gun. Anthony. I gave it an F. Gave it an F. Uh, like, I just didn't really know what was going on. It sounded like a rock song. Mm-hmm. And then it was supposed to be a James Bond song. And I was like, nah. Okay. And that was up against Lulu's man with the golden yeah. gun. Yeah. And I think Lulu was just campy enough that I was like, oh, you get a fun little point. Fair. And I listened to Alice Cooper's version. I was like, mm, this doesn't do it for me. Okay. Jason, where did you have Alice Cooper's song? I didn't like it. Um, I maybe could be convinced to be a little less negative on it than, say, the Johnny Cash. I mean, like, I didn't Ooh. have it in the F category, but it definitely wasn't good. And I could definitely see why it didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm, I guess I'll just, I called it a D, um, but you know, I could be persuaded to, to mark it lower. There's no need for persuasion here. I called it a <laughs> D as well. I mean, I can't put it above the actual song that got into it. And that song for me, Lulu was pretty low. So, I mean, I would be, I'd be completely fine putting it into the F's. Yeah. If we want to slam it just above Johnny Cash, just even though we maybe under Johnny Cash, because Anthony did give it the A. That's fine. Let's do I that. mean, <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, th- there was so far there was a clear reason why they didn't make it. Correct. Yes. I've got these a little bit swapped here. That's my mistake. But we've got Blondies for your eyes only going up against Sheena Easton's for your eyes only. Blondie clearly didn't make it. Uh, for me, the Blondie song was a low C. I think I had it just around where Thunderball was. I enjoy Blondie. I really like that sort of 80s disco-y sound that Blondie puts out there as a Bond film, Bond theme. No, not really. But again, it kind of fits the, the era, I suppose. But I do believe that the Sheena Easton song is way better. And I'm glad they rolled with that as opposed to the Blondie theme. So that's my deal there. Low, low C. I gave it a D. D, Jason. I love D for Bonnie. me too. Yeah. I love. Oh, go ahead. I think we're about to almost clone each other on what we're about to say about Blondie, but yeah, yeah. Uh, low D, mid D, high. Does it go? I put it. I put it over Chris Cornell. How about right? Just because it's right Blondie. In the middle? Yeah, I mean, out of out of respect for Blondie, but you know, I will say that. <clears throat> I didn't get this. I didn't get this version of the song. Fair. Like I, I love Blondie, but like I don't. It kind of like how I panned uh, Johnny Cash. Like it just, it yeah, didn't yeah, fit. Like makes sense. Yeah. That's All right. Let's really jump out there and go up to <laughs> um, Ace of Bases, the Juvenile, or Juvenile, however you want to pronounce it. That was going up against Tina Turner's Golden Eye. 
I gave this a B. Okay. <laughs> because I was actually pleasantly surprised. And again, GoldenEye is an S for me, so it's already like... I know it's not going to be better than what the original is. Right. But I was actually pleasantly surprised that I was like, uh, I watched the version that was actually on top of the GoldenEye credits. Mm-hmm. So I actually got to see what the song would have looked like if it was in the credits. And I I, I think maybe the visual kicked it up a couple notches. Okay. But I actually didn't mind this version. I thought it was a fun Ace of Base song that definitely had a James Bond filter. Okay. I had it mid-seas. Just because, again, it's it's the era, I understand. But it's it's a fine song, but it doesn't go anywhere aside from that with me. Jason? Another D for me. Another D. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'll differ from you guys insofar as I'm not really the biggest Ace of Bass fan. I'm just not. Um, it, I, there wasn't anything special about it. I saw why I didn't make it. And so yep. long, Swedish fans of even the score podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they've ventured into like some of the members have ventured into like white supremacy oh. territory. So, Lord, I didn't even know that. No, I just I'm not a, a big Ace of Base fan. Just I mean, not. I like those two songs, but outside of that, I really haven't listened to them. So. Well, I just think alphabetically, then let's put it just there, so low as of the C, just to kind of average it out. But dang, that's a shame to hear about weird Ace of Base stuff happening mm-hmm. these days. All right. I mean, oh, yeah, if... Uh, well, I was just going to say, dang. If, <laughs> if what Anthony just said is, uh, I mean, uh, taking that as, uh, you know, correct or whatever, it, that just feels bad. Is it lazily like, bad? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> if, if they're truly white supremacists, they're, yeah, that... that it's not. We can plunk them there. Yeah. It's no no worry off, like, no no sweat off my brow here. Like, I'm fine plunking Ace of Base if they have turned into horrible, horrible individuals. So, let's just keep them in the bottom Fs then. Congratulations, George Lazenby. You're not the worst. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's jump to Tomorrow Never Dies. So, as I mentioned when we were talking about uh, the Shell Crow version, there are two songs that we look at here. It is, uh, we'll start first with Katie Lang's Surrender, which I believe actually played in the movie, but was supposed to be, or was in consideration to be a, the actual theme song. Jason, where do you sit with Katie Lang's Surrender? Um, I definitely saw this as better than what we got for the theme. Um... I yeah I I would be a little salty if I was a uh, um you know Katie Lang mm-hmm. but so I, I'm giving this a B it wasn't like as Bond themes go it wasn't you know like super spectacular but it was definitely better yeah. than Cheryl Crow's version so yeah I yeah. would agree with that I originally had it as a low A but I'd be completely fine throwing it into the B's Anthony what do you say I gave it an A okay. I love Katie Lang. She is a thick, handsome lesbian, and she <laughs> her age is gracing, aging gracefully. Very true. Uh, I just handsome lesbian. Oh, I've never is, heard those things strung together before, but sure. Oh, I just love her presence. Like I love femme men and mask women, mm. and Katie Lang has such a masculine, feminine presence. That I I all I always referred to her as handsome. I was like, she's so damn handsome and she's so thick. Like I don't know. I just I love a beautiful lesbian. 
She nice. is great. Canadian Katie, icon. Yeah, Katie Lang. And her voice on this track is phenomenal. Like, she really uses that deep, mm-hmm. deep Katie Lang. I don't know. So, yes, this gave it. I'm, and I'm glad to hear you guys enjoyed it, too. I mean, I gave it an A, but it's definitely better than Cheryl Crow. It's way better than Cheryl Crow. The question mm-hmm. is, does it? Does it go into like the top of the bees just to average it out? Is it better than Skyfall, Jason? In your opinion, is the Katie Lang surrender better mm. than Skyfall? Ha! I would say yes okay. because again, I didn't mark Skyfall that highly to begin with. Right. But it, I, I guess my, my, it's not better than some of the others that you all put adele above so that's my problem with it it's like i (laughs) do you want to put it behind madonna i certainly would anthony are you good with that yep okay let's let's slap it there actually maybe even behind uh Uh, duran duran too i would actually agree Uh, yeah i'll relent on that one just to save (laughs) save the podcast i'll (laughs) relent on that Okay, thank you. (laughs) Let's talk about the other theme that came from Tomorrow Never Dies, and it's Tomorrow Never Lies by Pulp. Pulp, I have it as a high D. It was nothing to me. I enjoy um, Pulp music. I did not enjoy this track. That's just me. Same. That was like a D for me. Yeah, same. Uh, It was also a D. I don't really know much about Pulp, but I... Yeah, the song was doing nothing. So I suppose the only debate that we'll have here, is it better than what we got with Cheryl Crow's Tomorrow Uh, Never Dies? No. No? Yeah, no. Then it goes, is it better than Sam Smith? No. Then it's the last of the Ds. Let's leave it there. Two left. So let's jump into current Bond. So Quantum of Solace, uh, Another Way to Die actually had an alternate song and it was Shirley Bassey returning back to the fold here with No Good at Goodbyes. Um, Anthony, where did you have this track? I actually gave it a B. Okay. I was like, it's Shirley Bassey. She's coming back. It's not like the greatest James Bond theme song, but I like that she came back and I like that it was um a callback that i think should have been used yeah jason i agree with that assessment completely yep i actually what we got in that movie like i hated the the jack white alicia keys version i think if we could have had any throwback at any point in current bond that's when we do it so yeah i would throw her into the bees it was yeah i don't know why they went that route and again i remember even at that time, this leaked. Like, the Shirley Bassey song leaked. And I remember thinking, what have you done? <laughs> Better- Sometimes oh, I think ahead, they just like to ride the star power of oh, sure. artists yeah. for these themes. And, and I think that's what they were going for. Because, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's definitely what was happening. So where would it slate into the bees for you two? Do we put it around the same Katie Lang sort of level just because it's kind of that it was it wasn't used but it's pretty good we throw it i in put there. it under katie lang under? i like katie i agree Lang's. with that okay. yeah i like katie lang's song for better but i would definitely say it's better what about in comparison to nobody does it better i actually would put it behind that too live and let die uh, no it's, it's probably appropriate where you have it now let's throw it yeah. right there then Final one on the list. This is kind of the big one that kicked off this discussion about Bond themes that weren't used. Um, when I was kind of looking at the the original thought of of bringing this idea to the uh, to the podcast, it's "Man of War" by Radiohead. So for Spectre, 
there was this huge debate about Sam Smith was going to produce a, a song, but Radiohead was also kind of tapped on the shoulder. They produced this song. I've seen both with kind of the same Spectre intro. Um, Man of War for me, I think it goes in the high seas. It's better than what I think we got, but it, it isn't kind of a, a great Bond film in my, my opinion. Who wants to Jason? go? I, I mean, I agree with that. I is, I mean, I like Radiohead as a group mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but yeah, the song wasn't special, but far more special than Sam Smith's version. So sure. yeah, I, I would say it belongs in the C okay. area, probably towards the bottom of it. Anthony's going to drop a bomb on us here. I gave it an F. Gave it an F. I just like Radiohead for me is a band that I'm not super close with. I like a couple songs that are really, really well done. I respect them mm -hmm. so much as a band. But my thing with Radiohead is every time I hear a Radiohead song, I'm like, oh, this is definitely a Radiohead song. And they so have a sound. They, they have do. a sound. And I like, I love artists that have a sound. So I completely respect them. But I just found it really tedious and really boring. And so, like, I found myself fast forwarding it through the times that I listened to it because I was just like, for the love of God, Tom York, just finish a fucking syllable in less than two minutes. Fair. <laughs> no, completely uh. fair. All right. Well, thanks. So we. Damn. <laughs> sorry, friends. So just based on that, we think it's better than Sam Smith. Is it better than... Yeah, you could leave it just better than just Sam better Smith. Than Smith. <laughs> it right there. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. so we have the list. We do not have an S. Now, that has been a contentious issue for this entire podcast. But let's talk about what's in the A's. And is there anything that we could promote up to an S? Just to at least put one in there. Or do we end this podcast as enemies and blow the whole thing up <laughs> and never speak again? I mean, for me, it would uh, either be Goldfinger or Gladys Knight. Okay, Jason, what I do you mean, what do you? Th oh, go ahead, Anthony, continue, please. No, I I would just say that those are the ones that I think might be elevated to an S. That I think you guys would also probably agree to elevate to an S. Or I mean, you guys are probably gonna say Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say Diamonds Are Forever and uh, Gladys Knight, like. I mean, I I think Goldfinger slaps right, and it it, it fit the film mm -hmm. wonderfully. But it's not like uh, it's just not like the it's just not the epitome of a great Bond theme to me. Like it's very very good. Mm -hmm. It's very very classic. Like I I think where it belong like where it currently is is right. Like and if it's became the top of the A's as a result, I'm I think that's totally appropriate. But I do think Diamonds Are Forever and uh, um, A View to a Kill. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, license to Kill. Glass. Oh, license to Kill. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. That's Tongue, okay. Yeah, so much killing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so much killing. But yeah, yeah. A license to kill are just better compositions that i would uh i don't know if the, you guys agree with this but i would agree to move gladys knight and shirley bassey's diamonds are forever up to ass i think that's what i would roll with as well like it, for sure shirley bassey it i think that is when you think about bond films that one bond themes that one is just it for me 
and I think it's it for like a greater group. And it's it's so ubiquitous after like outside of the the Bond genre. It's one of those ones that I knew outside of watching the actual movie. So I would be completely good promoting that up if the three of us agree, at least putting that one up. I see nods. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. We have an S. Do we also want to move up Gladys Knight? I think it's pretty great. I would. I like, totally support that. Yeah, for me, it would be Gladys Knight and Shirley Bassey as S's. Because I think those two are probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're satisfied with the S's. Congratulations to us. We've promoted a few up there. <laughs> Is there anything else on this list that you would want to move down? Is there anything that you really feel strongly is in the wrong place that you want to put a pitch out that it should be adjusted? No, I, I can think... live with the rest of this list. I just, I <laughs> really, really can't. I, the extent to which you panned Die Another Day is just hurtful. Yeah, I would it, agree. And not just as a, a Madonna fan. It will be the cross that I will bear for the rest yeah. of this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry, it just wasn't wasn't clicking for me. But if, <sighs> if we're good with this, we will lock it in there. We will yeah. save this. Congratulations sure. to us. Fun stuff. Awesome. And we'll wrap up the podcast. We did a thing. We did. <laughs> Look at us go. I think we'll end the podcast there then. This was fun, contentious, always interesting to chat with you two. But of course, this is all in good fun. We're having a good time with chatting about these things. And hopefully our fans are thinking the exact same thing. And in regards to our fans, we're always thankful for you listening to our episodes, downloading us, following us, and subscribing on the podcast app of choice. We're on all of them. Go ahead and find us there. Find us on our uh, social medias at Twitter and Instagram at EvenTheScorePod. Or, of course, you can leave us an email at EvenTheScorePodcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, we really just do encourage you to share our episodes. Give us uh, likes, listens, reviews. We really appreciate everything. But I think we'll wrap it up there. I just want to thank Anthony and Jason for the fun conversation that we've just had. Thank you very much to you both. Thank you guys. Well, too. thank you too. Even though <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna journal about you, you, us. you know that thank you comes with an asterisk from yeah. here on out, man. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I've completely ruined the podcast dynamics now. <laughs> Well, for a ruined Even the Score podcast, hopefully this isn't our last episode. Thank you very much and take care. <laughs> no, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs>